there are times there are uh, we've been talking about living drenched throughout this year and uh, uh brother rodney's going to give his uh um, drenched living testimony, but I, I'm going to take a little bit of his time, which I know we've already taken some of, but just bring us the cream, brother. Just bring us the cream. Yeah. Uh, about 25 years ago, I was, uh, Margaret and I were here at the church and a few of you were, and uh, not many of anybody else. And I clearly remember the first Sunday that Rodney and Brenda Boyd uh, came to the church and I remember, uh, going to Bobo's in, in Murfreesboro and, and, uh, having lunch with Rodney. And I just remember the Lord saying, this is my gift to you. And for, for a quarter of a century now, that has definitely been the case. Rodney and I are about the same age, a few months apart. Uh, and we've both been elders for quite a while. And once upon a time, that was just, a title of a church leader. Now, <clears throat> we resemble that remark a little more. But brother, you wear it well. Would you welcome Rodney Boyd? I love you. This song's for you. Oh, grace provenient, how you have woven your thread throughout my life and intersected other threads to form the tapestry of my life. How rich and fulfilled my life is knowing that you have been there every step of the way, even before I knew you. Oh, grace provenient. Places I remember all my life. Though some have changed, some forever, not for better. Some have gone, some remain. All these places had their moments with lovers and friends. I still can recall Some are dead and Some are living In my life I love them all But of all these friends and lovers There is no one Compares with you and these memories lose their meaning When I think of love Something new Though I know I'll never lose affection For people and things that went before I know I'll often stop and think about them In my life I love you more Though I know I'll never lose affection For people and things 
than went before I know I'll often stop and think about them In my life I love you more In my life I love you more Grace is defined as graciousness, kindness, favor, gift, the free gift. But the best definition and strong concordance is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. We've sang about grace, but it all starts with His mercy and grace in our life. The word provenient uh, talks about a coming before, an antecedent, or an anticipatory thing. Something that takes place even before an event. And I first heard this at the Emmaus Walk, uh, where people gave lectures on uh, provenient grace. But when I'm telling my story, and I'm also telling how I stay drenched, uh, we're going to talk a lot about this thing called provenient grace. Uh, just so we can get these in, I have titled some of the things that keep me drenched as drenchers. Almost sounds like a soft drink, uh, but they're drenchers. And I just want to give all of them uh, before we start. For example, drencher one, the sovereignty of God. Uh, drencher two, being born again. Drencher three, the Holy Spirit connection. Drencher four, the Word of God. Uh, drencher number five, a walk and lifestyle of faith. Drencher number six, the cross, the death, burial, resurrection, nothing more, nothing less. Drencher number seven, prayer, uh, divine communication. Drencher number eight, the mindset. Drencher number nine, praise and worship. Drencher number ten, fellowship. Drencher number eleven, be a witness. Drencher number twelve, uh, servanthood. And drencher number thirteen, love. Now, we're not going to cover all those today. Uh, I'm used to teaching in the Ruminator Sunday School class, and, and I've got an hour and a half, and then at the end, we just pick up next week. So I'll see you next week right here. <laughs> I'm kidding about that, too. But it, it occurred to me that this will be a new teaching in the Ruminator class, and we'll spread it out for quite a while, so you can come to that if you'd like. I want to talk about, number one, the sovereignty of God where God is omniscient, having complete and ultimate knowledge, and, and omnipotent, almighty, infinite in power, and omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time. The, the song Steve sang and the poem I read talks about the intersecting of threads in our life over the years. And each, each one of you are in some form or fashion a thread in my life, and it forms this big tapestry. And sometimes... In the ta a tapestry, you can have dark images, dark threads that brings out the light. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, <clears throat> I was born August 15th, 1951. I'm 64 years old, and when the Beatles came out with when I was 60, when, uh, what's the name of it? When I was 64? Uh, I was about 16. Cute song. Eh, I'll never, but now that I'm 64, look out. 
uh, uh, Brenda was born de- uh, December 31st. None ya. None ya business. When I think about the sovereignty of God and His provenient grace and Him being every step of the way, uh, scriptures like Jeremiah 1.5 come up and it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I was born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Uh, David rolls out and says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. And uh, then Romans eight twenty eight kind of t- puts the bow on it for me. And we know that God causes all things, good, bad, and ugly, my emphasis, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Romans eight twenty eight. And so that's what I want to talk about today, how our causative God can take every moment of our life and turn it around. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And just because you're going through something that's ugly does not mean you're out of the will of God. You could be smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Because God's a causative God and He's going to take that. You know, it talks about in James that we are to count it all joy uh, when we encounter various trials. Uh, I used to wonder about that. You know, joy in trials... And But then that verse jumped out at me and says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. And to me, it's just a contextual flow of the trials we're going through. And I don't have to sit around and wonder a lot of times why I'm going through ugly, bad, or good stuff. I can say, Lord, why? And it could be maybe one of four reasons, maybe a combination, two or three of them, where number one, we lived in a cursed and fallen world. And everybody's subject to the cursed and fallen world. And so when stuff bad happens to us, if it's a cursed and fallen world, and I want wisdom, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, press into my blessing. If it's going to be a cursed, fallen world, press into my blessing. Number two, if it is because there are demonic schemes against me, and bad stuff is happening because I'm under the attack, Lord, what do I do? I need wisdom. He said, humble yourself under my mighty hand and I'll lift you up and you'll be able to resist the devil. Those fleshly schemes, they're going to happen, but you don't have to worry about them. You know, another aspect is if, um, I like to call this the Barney Fife syndrome. Andy told you to keep the bullet in your pocket. You disobeyed Andy. You took the bullet out. You put it in your gun and it shot, it went off and shot something. Well, that's called disobedience. So if I'm walking in something that I cause, what do I need to do? Repent. Turn back to God. I still might have to suffer the consequence of the sin, but I don't have to worry about it. And you combine that with His sovereignty, that He knows nothing sneaks up on God. It's not like here comes arthritis. God knew it, and he provides healing and restoration, you know. So this brings um, to the point of where I like to trace the thread back a little ways, back to August 15th, 1951, 
and then trace it a little farther back to my my dad and his praying mother, who turned out to be my praying grandmother, and see how God is at every step of the way in my life, even before I was born, even before I was born again. He's there, and I don't have to fear anything. My dad was a uh, a handful, and uh, he was from Brewston, Tennessee, and he went off to war and went to New York and flew over to England in London and won a jitterbug contest and before he went off to actual war. Now, he was proud of that. Now, keep that in mind because that's important in the provenience of his grace. I think I may have a little jitterbug in myself. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Can't blame that on grace. So when he went to war, he was in battle, got shot in the chest, but something stopped it. It wasn't a supernatural in the sense of the bullet was suspended. But while he was in New York, just before he got on the boat, they gave him a New Testament and he put it in his pocket and kept it there. And the bullet hit the New Testament. Oh, provenient grace. You say, well, what about people who got shot and died? I don't know. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Look it up. That's my only excuse. But I do know this for Rodney's provenient grace. Why I'm here. Because there was a bullet that was stopped by a New Testament. And later on, he went on a reconnaissance mission and went into a cave and stepped on a landmine and his toes were blown off. How ironic for a jitterbug king to have your toes blown off. He still danced though. He could compensate. And he uh, got a purple heart. Later on, went home, met... My mom got married, chicka bow wow, August 15th, 1951. <laughs> oh, Grace Provenient, even in the chicka bow wow. That's true. But when you start having a mindset of provenient grace, that's how I stay drenched. Because I'm not going to fall apart when bad stuff happens to me. I know God's in, my, in control. When you say Jesus is Lord, everybody say that together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. What the word Lord is, is kurios, which means the one in control. Everybody say Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. What's happening in your life right now that's ugly or bad? Is Jesus still in control? He is, whether you acknowledge it or not. I like that Romans 8, 28 thing where it says, for God causes, he's a causative God and he can turn things around in my life, even though I'm a boogerhead. Yeah, look at your neighbor next door and say, you're a boogerhead. I like scriptures like Joseph, who, who was a kind of a, cocky young lad with his amazing technicolor coat, dream coat, 
and uh, his brothers kind of resented him and uh, and uh, uh, faked his death, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. I would say that qualifies as ugly, right? And 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 then when famine comes in the land, Joseph had already been elevated to a position of power, and so the brothers came to. They didn't know it was Joseph came to him, needed some food, and recognized that. Uh oh, here we go. That's the guy we threw into the pool in the almost said pulpit, threw into the pit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But Joseph said to them in Genesis 50, do not be afraid. How many are in fear when you're face to face with your past? God's delivering you from your past, creating you a now so that you can have a future. But first, you got to take control of that fear. Do not be afraid. And then this is a great statement. For I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. Why? In order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. My God, oh, grace provenient for those people for such a time as this. And drencher number two, I got born again. I like to put that as a drencher because it keeps me focused on where I came from and who I am now because I could now see the kingdom, and I could now enter into the kingdom because of this born again experience, born from above, not from below. And uh, in 1970, uh, when I got saved, Brenda and I had been dating for a while, and we were talking about getting married, and uh, we went to Shoney's Drive-In. Love me some onion rings and uh, Slim Jim and man, it's good stuff. And uh, not good for you, but good. And um, and so we were talking about getting married. And and uh, of course, I was not a Christian, and I'd only been going to church with her so I could spend a little more time with her. That's how you think it out, boys. You know. <laughs> Only negative thing I had to listen to some old preacher preach the word, and uh, but but uh, thank God it even sunk in on my hardened ears and faith came, and so I said, Brenda, when we get married, we can raise the children in any religion you want because I'm a heathen and I can adjust to anything. And I took a big old onion ring and I was about to bite into it. And uh, the, the Baptist came out of her. She said, yeah, but when me and the children die, we're going to he heaven. You'll die and go to hell. You just don't tell a man that in the middle of an onion ring. That just ain't right. That's legalism right there. So I'm, I'm about to cry. <laughs> but it hit me that she was right. I had just enough gospel and faith to know she was speaking the truth. So I drove her home and I turned to her and I said, all right, what do I got to do to get saved? And little did I realize Paul uh, heard that from the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Once again, the spirit of Baptist came all over and she started leading me down the Romans road to salvation. Well, Romans 3.10 says, as it's written, there's none righteous. And Romans 3 and... 
But I was just soaking it in. I couldn't refute it. Then she did the, uh, uh, led me down the road, uh, in a sinner's prayer. Now, I know everybody knows you can't get saved by repeating a prayer. That is, unless there's a sovereign God who knew my heart and knew what I needed. And then I started weeping after I prayed it. Spent a couple hours out in the car and her mother kept peeking out the window. Every few minutes, you know, I'm crying. The windows are getting steamed. <laughs> Once again, she thought there was a little hanky-panky, a la Tommy James and the Shondells. <laughs> I baby does a hanky-panky. But all the while, I was getting born again. Oh, grace prevenient. How he can take a situation and a circumstance and t just turn it around. Turn it for what was meant for bad. Turn it into good. And I got saved. Another aspect of uh, being drenched, what I call drencher number three, was the Holy Spirit connection. I'm not talking about a cosmic force. But I'm talking about a person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. And... Uh, and I knew that if I would not, the word says in First Thessalonians five nineteen, quench not the Holy Spirit. In the Message Bible, it says, "Don't put the kibosh on God." It doesn't say that. <laughs> Could be though. Who knows? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't put the fire out. Don't. Don't uh, do something stupid and uh, stop the flow of God in your life. The flow of God was never meant to be stopped, but to flow out of your innermost being like rivers of living water that will come into contact with other people that you know. You know, if you get baptized in water and you come up right after somebody's been baptized in water and begin to hug them, guess what? You're going to get wet. When, when, when you come into contact with someone who's been freshly baptized in the Holy Ghost, guess what? You're going to run. And we need to be locked up, most likely. But there's going to be something about the essence of who you're hugging on that's going to smell like the Holy Ghost. Hopefully. At some point. If you quench, you just won't be drenched. You got to realize the Holy Spirit's not a cosmic force, a part of the doxology. Hey, lady, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Holy Ghost, in the words of Wayne Berry, Holy Ghost, come help yourself. I'm yours. Yeah, you know, the Holy Ghost is great. Yeah, you know, the Holy Ghost convicts, he teaches, he, he, he drops gifts on you. He turns you into the UPS man where, where the gifts flow like conduits. They're not yours. Don't try to hold on to them. Give them out to who they were sent for, right? 
Holy Ghost, come help yourself. Holy Ghost. You know, in, in, the, uh, in the Proverbs, it talks about that the spirit of man, the little s, the spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. I like that. Everybody in here has the Holy Ghost in you. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. You've been bought with a price. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost, especially in that little lamp there. The Spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. And I think about old clay pots over in Israel, filled with oil, fresh oil, got the wick trimmed and burning. And when you light the lamp, in a, a dark place, there's intimacy, there's revelation, there's uh, companionship, there's knowledge, there's a flow. And so we have the Holy Ghost in that aspect, and then flowing out like rivers of living water. You know, and the next drencher that I really like is the Word of God. As a, as a speech-language pathologist... I love stuff about the Word of God. A word is nothing but a thought that is expressed. Right? Sure. Just say right. It's okay. A word is nothing but a thought expressed. It can either be spoken, it can be written, it can be signed. I don't know sign language, but... I went up to a girl once, and... uh and uh, she was a followers fellowship, and uh, I may need to repent of this. I may not. <laughs> but I went up to her and I started doing this stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, "You know what that is, don't you?" She said, "What? Signing in tongues." <laughs> and she and she did some kind of sign uh, that that was wrong. <laughs> she still loved me though. But the word is powerful in my life. We know in the you know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Holy Spirit was hovering, you know, and then there was the word that he spoke. And he had a thought and he said, and God said, let there be. And and kaboom, it was. You know, a lot of people don't believe in the big bang theory. I do. God said it. Bang, there it was. <laughs> Brother, this is the cream that you asked for. This is the cream. <laughs> yeah, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Of course, if you read down, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as that of the only begotten Son of God. So you could easily say, In the beginning was Jesus. Right? Jesus is the Word. He's the, the, the expression of the Word. Uh, in, in our Ruminator Sunday School class, we talk about, you know, our renewed minds and, and how a lot of times people don't restrain their minds. They, they start thinking differently and they start speaking stuff and start acting. And, and the quote is, unrestrained thoughts produce unrestrained words resulting in unrestrained actions. The key is restraining. And the only way you can restrain a thought is renew your mind by the washing of the water of the Word. I love the Word. It's what keeps me drenched and keeps me on target. People know when I'm not drenched. 
The Ruminator Sunday School class started out with this scripture, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, we'll call that the word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate or ruminate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it so that you might make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Prosperity? Yeah, I'm a prosperity teacher. Prosperity, having enough to meet my needs, overflow to meet others' needs, and when I don't have anything, I'm content with what I got, knowing that God will meet my need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's prosperity. Success? Listen, if you win the rat race, you're just the number one rat. All right, number one. Anybody got any cheese? But true biblical success is accomplishing the purposes of God in your life. And while you're out doing that, you better be uh, uh, very courageous. Better be a very, uh, what's, what's the word Joshua says? Be uh, strong and courageous. Why do you think in, in light of this word of what they were fixed and accomplished, why would they need to be strong and courageous? Because they had every opportunity to be weak and unsuccessful and discouraged. Well, how are they going to keep that way? The Word of God. Renew your mind. Read it. Speak it. Walk it out. Another drencher. The cross of Christ. Blame this one on Bruce Coble. Never think you can get away from the cross. Never think it's just an experience and then you go on and live your life. Staying connected to the cross and as Watchman Nee says, whenever he says the cross in his book, The Normal Christian Life, at one point it shifts and he says, when I say the cross, I'm talking about the death, burial, resurrection. And all that entails. Okay? And so I stay connected. I stay, uh, uh, what's the word, buoyed or uh, lifelined or anchored to the cro- tethered to the cross. Because I look back, that's my touchstone. That's the point that uh, He saved me. That's the point that He forgives me. And that's the point where I can deal with my flesh. You receive forgiveness by the blood of Christ and you stay your crucified flesh life is because you die daily. You identify with the cross. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's nothing like being a has-been. That's all i got to say. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself for me. This is the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. And Paul, the same guy who wrote that scripture, said First, first uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty one, I die daily. What was he talking about? Talking about taking up his cross. No, your cross to bear is not cancer. Your cross to bear is not sickness and disease. You think God gave you that when he took it away? Your cross to bear is yield your will to his will, no matter what it is. Because he's a sovereign God and he's in control of your life and you're not. Somebody throw a dog a bone, Brad. (laughs) 
The next thing that, uh, of course, the gospel is, you know, the, the gospel of the cross. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And they need to find what the gospel was. And I call it the gospel of the cross because that's where it's taking place, the death, burial, resurrection. He says in First uh, Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you were saved if you hold fast the word when I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that, number one, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Number two, that He was buried. Number three, and that He was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. D, B, are nothing more and nothing less. I stay drenched when I remember that and look back and say, okay. Prayer. Try getting married and not talk to your wife. Not much of a marriage. Prayer is simply communication with God. It's not hard. Watch, I'm going to show you. Let me give you a lesson in prayer, how to talk to God. God you just started the conversation. He's listening. See how easy that is? And then just have a dialogue, not a monologue. God, <laughs> I want I want money. I want a fine car. I want a I want a I want a, a beautiful wife. I want I want, I want, you sound like a broken record of Spice Girls. <laughs> zicka, zicka, zicka. Prayer's not some magical thing that you uh, manipulate God. It's talking to God and He hears you, He talks back to you, and you hear Him, and He verifies it with the code book, the Word of God. If what you're hearing violates what the code book says, you ain't heard from God. There ain't no deep mysteries to it. Deep mysteries are for cults and people who don't have any better time than just kind of, oh, here's the latest fad. And I've been through some fads, trust me. But you stay with prayer. Talk to God. You know, uh, prayer reveals the kingdom come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer busts anxieties. We're called to pray without ceasing. And, uh, and a, another uh, drencher is a mindset. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Another drencher, praise and worship, coming into the presence of God and throwing down a little halal. Halal, lu, ya. Hallelujah. Let's just look at the definition of halal real quick. There, there are about five or six definitions of, 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 of praise. But here's a great one. Halal. To be clear. Originally of sound. But usually of color. To shine. To make a show. To boast. And thus to be clamorously foolish. And to add a little Buddy Holly spin to rave. That's praise right there. When I don't get my rave on every now and then, I ain't drenched. 
I liken halal to a, a rocket ship. Gravity is holding on to you. You got to have booster rockets to break free of the gravity. And that's what getting clamorously foolish does for you. And raving on it. It breaks the grip so you can turn your eyes on Jesus. Of course, worship. We, we want to worship. worship. Worship is not... Uh, it's a lot of things. You can't put a finger on worship. But one thing it is, is bowing yourself forward, kissing towards the object to be worshipped, licking the hand like a dog. And then... Here's where worship really is worship. When He lifts you up and you go out and do what He said to you while you were down. Oh. Ten, fellowship. If you think you can isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you're in trouble. Big time. Be a witness. Tell your story. I don't care if you're Joseph Davidson. I'd love to hear your story sometime. Or you're, you're Rodney Boyd. Or the class that I'm teaching at Wednesday night. Tell your story to somebody. Just tell somebody what God did for you. Servanthood, be a servant to somebody. Act like Jesus to somebody. Don't have your special interest. And finally... And really, these aren't in any special order, but love. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know, we had a Beatles song up here, because the Beatles had that great song. Love, love, love. And it goes, and you, you can listen to the song. But then Larry Norman says, the Beatles said all you need is love, and then they broke up. But when you stay connected in a love relationship with God Himself, you can start loving yourself. And then if you start loving yourself, you can love somebody else. But if there's a disconnect in your love relationship with the Father, you'll never love yourself because of who the devil tells you you are. And you certainly can't love the unlovable. You can't be a minister of reconciliation like talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, where... You've been given a word of reconciliation to people. But if you hate people, you can't love them. If you hate a gay person, you're in trouble. If they're the enemy, you're fighting flesh and blood. And you, you didn't get your ticket to the war room. But you begin to love the unlovable and not count their transgressions against them. That's my problem. i got a running tab on some of you. I'm like Barney Fife whipping it out. Well, chicky poo. So in closing, if, if the uh, worshipers would come up here, we're going to uh, have an offering and uh, not an offering. <laughs> we're going to take up an offering. <laughs> a laborer is worthy of his hire. That's how you twist the scripture. I've spoken, you know, the Holy Spirit has spoken to somebody today. You're going through good times, but you're maybe in a bad time. You may be in an ugly, dark, black time in your life. And God wants you to know 
that there is no depth of darkness. There's no depth of darkness that you can be in that his light will not shine. The spirit of hopelessness is not a spirit from God. It's a spirit from the devil. And he's lying to you. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's an accuser of the brethren. Grumbling and complaining about it will not get it done. As the man in the nursing home told me once, he said, Rodney, grumbling and complaining is nothing but devil praise. So when you grumble and complain, don't come into agreement with the devil. Get the word. Everybody stand up, please. And if you need a prayer or know somebody that needs a prayer, now and a prayer, people are going to pray if you come down. Come forward now. Don't waste a lot of time waiting for the last verse or whatever. You come now and say, I need prayer. Come. 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 Hallelujah. Pray for him. Lift him up. Hallelujah.
some of you have been bound by a spirit of infirmity. Sickness just will not leave your household. That's not from God. You need a healing. And so if you need a healing, come forward right now. Don't put it off. There's specific people that I know about and there's specific people I don't know about. All I know is that God demonstrated His own love for us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Him with the Holy Ghost and power and how He went about doing good healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Him. Don't just think that's your cross to bear. Jesus healed 40 people in the Gospels and each one was oppression by the devil, not God teaching them a lesson and not God putting something on them. He wants you set free. Come now. blessing now. May you walk in the fullness of the Spirit daily. May you be filled to overflowing. And may you be drenched seven days a week. Not by the world, but by the drencher, our Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.